Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners. Wherever you may be in the world today, this is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a special guest with us today. She is probably one of the most interesting people you'll meet. (laughs) She is a neuroscientist, a mom, former psychotherapist, former fashion designer, and is the co-founder and visionary of an amazing and highly successful tech startup, Muse. And Muse tracks your brain during meditation to give you real-time feedback, guiding you into the zone, quote-unquote, and solving the problem most of us have when starting a meditation practice. So Muse lets you know when you are doing it right. And now Muse is helping its users improve their sleep. So I'm excited to hear about this and welcome Ariel Garten. We're so excited to have you as a guest on the show today. Thank you, Steve. It is my joy and pleasure to be here today. And not only is she a mom, she is an expecting mom. (laughs) Mom and mom-to-be simultaneously. Amen. You got, yeah, this will be the second. Well, good luck. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? It's a little girl. Woohoo! And what was the first one? It was a boy. Match set. Wow. Now that's organized right there. <laughs> well, before we get started today, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Ariel. With no formal business background, Ariel personally raised $18 million to found Muse from Silicon Valley investors, as well as Ashton Kutcher. And Ariel and Muse have been featured in over 1,000 articles, including CNN, Forbes, Fortune, Popular Science, and really many more. And it's now used by hundreds of thousands of people to start or deepen their meditation practice, also including the Mayo Clinic. The second generation Muse X is advanced EEG technology. And Ariel can tell us what advanced EEG technology is because it tracks how well you focus, sleep, and recharge. And the newly launched digital sleeping pill presents the latest in non-pharmaceutical sleep support, providing immediate and intelligence assistance with falling asleep and nighttime interruptions. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Ariel's mission in life is to help people understand how their brain and mind work, both the nuts and bolts and neurons, and how they play out in the messy and beautiful human experience of living. She inspires people to understand that they can accomplish anything they want by understanding 
what actually goes on in their own mind. So before we dive into this, Ariel and I had a lovely time visiting before the show began, and I described a little bit more about becoming your best and how one of the 12 principles of highly successful leaders is to live in peace and balance. And so this is a subject that's interesting to every single one of us because our health, our our capacity is what gives us the ability to do everything else. So having said all that, Ariel, <laughs> tell us about your background and and including any points in your life that had a significant impact on you. And what's your story? Tell us how you got here. Sure. So my background, I grew up in Toronto. My mom is an artist, so I'd always see her create these incredible visions, these beautiful works on canvas, and from a blank canvas, make something amazing. And my dad was an entrepreneur, uh, self-made in real estate, flipping one house at a time. So I really grew up with this notion that you could really create whatever you wanted. And you didn't have to have a real job. You could figure it out yourself. And I really aligned my own mission, not to flipping houses, but to understanding how we could make people's lives better. That's what I desperately wanted to do. So I went to school for science, which then became going to school for neuroscience, because I recognized that if you could figure out how to help people unlock their brain, then really you could make people's lives better got trained as a psychotherapist along the way, and then started working in the lab of a man called Dr. Steve Mann, who's a professor at the University of Toronto. And he had an early brain-computer interface system that he was using actually to create musical experiences. And I stood back and said, this is unbelievable, and I think I can build a business around it. So I got together with my two co-founders, Chris and Trevor, This was in the early 2000s, and we set about trying to build a business around this technology. At first, we thought we were going to let people control stuff with their brain and then realize that it wasn't very practical. But along the way, recognized that as we were teaching people to focus or relax, to try to make a light bulb go brighter or, you know, make a sound go dimmer, we were actually giving people real-time feedback on their brain activity using this system. And from there, we recognized, okay, well, what is the way that we can have the most value in the world with this technology, with this EEG technology that can read your brain waves and can allow you to interact in some way? And we recognized it was not by letting people control stuff with their brain, but it was actually by letting people understand what was going on in their own minds and learn to control their own mental spaces. And as we're teaching people to focus and relax uh, to control the light, we're actually teaching them to focus and relax and showing them when they were doing it. And that was far more valuable. And so from there, Muse was born. Along the way, there were a ton of twists and turns. I had a my own little real estate business. I was a clothing designer until my dad said, look, this is never going to be successful. And I was like, I'm 22 years old. I'm like, I'm in the newspaper and I have, you know, I have a clothing store. This is like the coolest thing I could imagine. He's like, trust me, there's more there for you. I don't know how or why I trusted him, but my father was right. <laughs> and uh, many ventures later, I'm finally doing something that really, I feel fulfills my purpose. Okay, that is a great story. How long ago did you start this effort? I'm 42. Muse started in 2002, so about 20 years ago, started working with the brain computer interface tech, simultaneously had other careers, you know, it was on the side for a while. And in 2009, 
incorporated the company by 2012, had raised significant funds, and you know we've had product and market for the last seven years. Well, great. Well, you know, our listeners, of course, have heard about meditation. Some of them are actively involved in using meditation. However, you have many that aren't or that feel like they could do better. So tell us about meditation. What is it? How do you do it? Why it works? And what really happens in the brain when we meditate? Sure. Those are a lot of amazing topics. So meditation is actually a practice or training that leads to healthy and positive mind states. It's not some sort of weird or woo-woo thing. We're all beginning to recognize that it has significant value. Indeed, there are over 8,000 published research studies demonstrating meditation's ability to improve our attention, decrease our stress, improve our relationships, improve our brain function, and even improve our physiological health. So, you know, the bottom line, science says meditation is good for you. Now, just because something's good for you doesn't mean that it's easy to do. On the one hand, meditation is very simple. On the other hand, it can be hard to instill a practice. So the most basic form of meditation that most people learn first is called focused attention meditation. In focused attention meditation, what you're doing is you're putting your attention on your breath. And then eventually your attention will wander away from your breath and up into your thoughts. And it's your job to then notice that you are now thinking, not paying attention to your breath, to let go of that thought and return your attention to your breath. So it's a very, very simple loop, attention on your breath, mind eventually wanders, notice that you've wandered and return. Now from this very, very simple activity, some absolutely profound transformation can happen. So for one, most of us just kind of go through our lives on autopilot. We go through our lives with thoughts in our brain and in our mind generated by our brain. And because we have thoughts in our mind and our head, we just sort of presume we're supposed to be thinking them. And so we're just thinking the thoughts that come and go. And that's what we do. Well, when you do the simple practice of putting your attention somewhere intentionally, when your mind wanders onto a thought, noticing that that happened, and then choosing to take your attention away from that thought to not think it, and to bring your attention elsewhere onto something neutral, in that very moment, you have changed your relationship to your thinking. And rather than simply being at the mercy of all of the thoughts in our head whirling around in there, you now have choice over the contents of your own mind. You can choose the thoughts that you want to be thinking and the thoughts that you want to let go of. And since many, many of our thoughts are repetitive, stressful, and not particularly helpful, once we begin to do that, we're actually able to significantly reduce the amount of stress in our life. Because it is the job of this little organ in our brain called the amygdala to inform us of when something is dangerous, which is awesome when there's a real danger in front of you, like, you know, a car that could hit you or a fire. But typically our amygdala fires on things like the email that came in or that contract that, oh, no, I hope I get, but I think I'm not going to. And so your brain just keeps presenting negative information over and over again, your amygdala, because it feels like you need to know this incredibly important thing. But often the things that it's representing are not important. It's, you know, a stain in your pants before you go into an interview that you just can't stop thinking about. The fact that you're stuck in traffic and you can't do anything about it and you just keep thinking about how stuck in traffic you are. And so when we engage a meditation practice and we are choosing to bring our attention away from a thought and onto something neutral, what we're actually doing is we're bringing in our prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's associated with thinking, with 
planning, organization, higher order processing, decision-making, and attention. And what we're actually learning to do is to bring in this prefrontal cortex, make a choice, make a decision, and then down-regulate the activity of our amygdala. It's kind of like the prefrontal cortex is the parent who can tell the amygdala, shh, calm down, it's okay, it's all good. (laughs) And that practice actually allows us to have greater awareness of our thoughts. It's called metacognition. It's another function of your prefrontal cortex. Allows us to quiet useless thoughts in our mind. Allows us to focus on the things that matter. And while you do it, you breathe deeply, which calms your body as well. So in a very small nutshell, that is part of what meditation is, why it's so powerful, and what it does in the brain. Ariel, how long does it take to do a focused attention meditation that you just talked about, the breathe, the mind wanders, and then breathe again? So you can do it in as little as a minute. Just pay attention to your breath. Eventually, your mind will wander away. You notice and you return. But if you do it for, say, 10 to 20 minutes, you're going to see significantly more benefit. You know, you can do one sit-up and you will have done something, or you can do 20 sit-ups and you're going to get pretty strong pretty fast. So as you engage this practice regularly, and really five minutes is fine. With Muse, we have a lot of studies that demonstrate that just 10 minutes a day has significant change over a period of six weeks. Just engage the practice a little bit each day, build on it, and you begin to build the skill of throughout the day, noticing your thoughts, being mindful and making a choice about where your attention is, knowing that you can disengage from the kind of thinking that's not helpful to you and be able to refocus on the things that are. Okay, well, that's uh, really valuable. Do you have a favorite type of meditation that you like to do? So I am a connoisseur of all sorts of meditations. There's so many varieties. (laughs) They're like fine wines. You know, focused attention is always a great base to come back to. And, you know, a, a cornerstone of my training because that's what really teaches you to be aware of the process of your thinking, which is so valuable. I also do breath meditation, so different forms of breathing exercises that are intended to calm my nervous system, trigger my vagus nerve to move me into a parasympathetic tone. With Muse, we have breath meditations, we have heart meditations, so you can actually listen to the beating of your heart like the beating of a drum and learn to actually be sensitive to your internal state. It's called interoception. We have hundreds of guided meditations in different forms. So, you know, sometimes you might simply be guided through an experience of moving your mind through your body or feeling the sensation of calm and stillness or feeling the sensation of love in your heart. You know, all of these have different teachings and different lessons and end up being great for your mind and body in a variety of different ways. Great. Thanks for the overview. That was terrific. Well, let's just shift the field of our discussion for a moment to the brain (laughs) and especially sleep. So how does the brain function during sleep and how can we really assure a higher quality rest? That is a great question. So when we talk about brain health, there's some basic pillars of great brain health. One is good exercise, good eating, good sleeping and meditation. And of course, loving connection to your family and friends. You do these five things and your brain is going to be about as healthy as you can get. It's very, very simple. It's tremendously simple. Ask the neuroscientists. I'm shocked that these are the recommendations that we have still, but they really work. So sleep is an important cornerstone, not only of brain health, but of our ability to be cognitively functional and emotionally self-regulated throughout the day. Now, in terms of how our brain works, 
as we're going to sleep. This is really interesting. And when you know how your brain works falling asleep, it then helps you create a set of habits to make your sleep better. So as you're falling asleep, your brain has two different systems that guide its sleepiness. One you might have heard of is melatonin and your circadian rhythms. Mm -hmm. So as you fall asleep and actually as it gets dark out, your brain starts producing a hormone called melatonin. And the darker it gets, the more melatonin it creates. Throughout the night, your melatonin levels are high. In the morning, they begin to drop. And then as you wake up and you get light in your eyes, your melatonin levels completely drop down. So in order to be signaled for sleep, you want your melatonin levels to be as high as they can. And in order to maintain deep sleep, you want to maintain high melatonin levels. So when you know that and you know that melatonin is triggered by light, that means that you want to be turning down your lights about 30 minutes before bedtime, start making it dim, start building those melatonin levels in your brain, make sure it's dark when you sleep, get curtains to block out that, you know, street light in your eyes. And then when you wake up in the morning, you want to be getting bright light in your eyes right upon waking up so that it shuts off the melatonin and shuts off the residual grogginess that can be left over when you still have melatonin floating in your brain. And once you're able to train that circadian rhythm, do it at a predictable time each night, same time, on, off, on, off, on, off, night, morning, night, morning, then it becomes very easy for you to sleep more easily the next night because your system is trained. So melatonin and circadian rhythms is one system. The other system that governs our falling asleep is called your sleep pressure. Now, throughout the day, there is a molecule in your brain called adenosine. And adenosine binds to a little receptor in your brain. And the more adenosine binds to that receptor, the more sleepy you become, the more your sleep pressure increases. Until so much adenosine is bound, you are so sleepy, you cannot just help but conk right out. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're doing things that do not relieve, relieve your sleep pressure throughout the day. You want to keep building that sleep pressure. Now, there is one thing that steals your sleep pressure, and that is caffeine. Because cool fact, caffeine has a very similar chemical shape as adenosine. And caffeine actually enters your brain, crosses the blood-brain barrier, and fills in those little adenosine receptors instead of the adenosine, meaning that it is blocking your ability to create sleep pressure, which is why coffee makes us so awesomely alert and why it steals our sleep that night because you don't have sufficient sleep pressure. So if you want to sleep rock solid, stop your caffeine around noon. Coffee is a half-life of six to eight hours. So that means that you want to be 12 hours before you're going to bed, 10 hours before you're going to bed, shutting off that caffeine tap. So drop the evening coffee. You might find you fall asleep faster and stay asleep better because you have maximal sleep pressure when you fall asleep. Well, now that's uh, that's fun advice there. I love it. Now, how about melatonin? Let's just talk about that. Like, do some people have lower levels and they need to supplement it? What is your research showing on that? So supplementation with melatonin is an effective way to help you sleep, but not great in the long term because it can really disrupt your native melatonin levels. So if you're using melatonin for a few nights, that's fine, but you don't want to be using it regularly long term. You want to be setting your brain's own levels. And the way to do that is really by increasing the amount of darkness at night and brightness in the morning. That's the very best way to do it. 
Exercise also helps. Melatonin can also be built from serotonin. It's part of the reason why turkey makes you sleepy because turkey has a precursor in it called tryptophan. That's the amino acid, which then converts to serotonin and can kind of convert to melatonin. So turkey makes you nice and nice and cozy. That's great. So thanks for these tips. I'm sure I'm going to try them tonight and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But uh, tell us about the Muse Digital Sleeping Pill. How does that work and what is it? Sure. So unlike a pill that you take that can have side effects, this has no side effects. What we've built is an experience that actually guides your brain into sleep using bio and neurofeedback. So the Muse is a beautiful device that actually gives you real-time feedback on your brain during meditation to actually make the process of meditation easier. It lets you know when you're focused and when your mind is wandering in that focused attention practice, making it easy to know what to do and giving you actionable insights to help you guide and maintain your practice. We also, with the same device, have an incredible set of tools to help you fall asleep because the device is a true clinical-grade EEG And so it can track your sleep as effectively as a sleep lab. And so we have these beautiful interventions that help guide you into sleep by actually checking on your level of wakefulness because there's an EG on your head like a sleep lab and then morphing and guiding your audio experience to walk your brain into sleep. So as you're falling asleep, the muse is detecting that it's turning down the audio, it's slowing it down, it's cueing your brain that it's time to sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, it will be alerted because it can detect your level of wakefulness. And then it'll bring in the same beautiful guided audio that helps you fall asleep the first time and guide your brain back to sleep. And it's just this thin, super comfy little band. You remember I was a clothing designer, so we know these things being comfortable and looking good is really important. And it's now used by over half a million people around the world to help them meditate and sleep. Wow. So you're going to love this, Arielle. Mine arrived last week. Woo-hoo! Awesome. And it's been charging, and uh, I'm not really sure how to use it yet. Like, is there an app that goes with it? <laughs> yes, it's very straightforward to use. There's an app in the iPhone or iTunes store. You just turn on your Muse, download the app, and it all starts to work. There's little videos that guide you through exactly what to do. And literally, you know, it's used with geriatric patients um, to deal with the stress and anxiety of age-related cognitive decline. Like, it's used all over the board with people of all sorts of abilities. So you'll be very easily able to figure it out. It's Okay, I can't wait to use it tonight. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. I was in Cabo San Lucas at a uh, business meeting a couple of weeks ago, almost three weeks ago. And a friend told me about this and said he loved it. So you've got some real disciples out there. Thank you. Yeah, we're super lucky to have a lot of really enthusiastic Muse fans, to have lots of sports professionals who use it, Olympic athletes, meditation teachers, CEOs across the board. It's it's such an honor this journey with everybody. Well, that's good. That's that's wonderful. Thinking of live in peace and balance, this principle of becoming your best that we've observed that really this is one of the things that sets people apart from everybody else, The one of the 12 things. So let's just talk about the brain a little bit more and the neuroscience of things such as anxiety, fear, and bias. And how can you overcome that? Sure. So this concept of living in peace and balance is incredibly important. 
And earlier on, I was talking about the part of your brain called the amygdala, whose job it is to always be scanning for danger. And really what it does is it over-optimizes for its function. It over-scans. It over-informs you of things that are dangerous. And as a result, we end up with our mind flooded with thoughts of danger that are not particularly helpful to us or relevant in the moment. And we end up with this physiological arousal that results from it. So your amygdala um, signals through your uh, hypothalamic pituitary axis, the HPA axis, signals the production of cortisol. That cortisol floods throughout your body. It increases your blood pressure, decreases the size of your blood vessels, increases your heart rate, makes you sweaty, increases your blood glucose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it has this very visceral impact in your physiology. And then once you notice that your physiology is ramped, of course, you're going to think that there's something wrong. Oh no, you know, feeling anxious, there must be some reason. And so that generates more thoughts about that thing. So the important way to overcome it, first of all, is to recognize that your body is just flowing through this process that it doesn't need to. It's kind of like a broken alarm. You know, the alarm continues to sound for something that really is quite benign. And so when you engage in active practice to quiet your nervous system, to quiet your amygdala, to quiet your thoughts, that allows you to overcome both the psychological and physiological stimulation of these fear signals. The first important step is the recognition that actually I don't need to be this way, even though it feels intense, even though it feels like, you know, this thing must be so true because it feels so terrible that may not actually be the truth of the scenario. So, you know, during COVID, I'm sure many of us felt scared in our own homes, but inside your own home, you are actually completely, totally safe. And so taking the opportunity to look objectively at the situation, to recognize your neurophysiological way that you're compelled by your body and mind to react, and then to bring in that prefrontal cortex, that top-down processing, that recognition that actually, no, I don't need to do this now. Take deep breaths, which is going to trigger your vagus nerve to move you into parasympathetic rest and digest mode. Quiet your mind by moving it away or putting on music, doing a meditation practice, doing something that's going to take you out of that mental space. And then allow the sort of Relax mode of quieting your mind, quieting your body, quieting your mind, quiet your body to bring you back down. This can be caused by things like, well, trauma, injury or divorce or a broken relationship or something that's really been tough, right? And and so you feel this way. And and so if any of our listeners or if I'm feeling this way, I can take these kind of steps to start quieting things down. Yes. And the thing about trauma is that your brain has learned from a past situation that it needs to protect you from something that's actually not a threat in that moment. So in trauma, we might be sitting in a moment in which we're perfectly safe, but we are reminded or triggered of a previous threatening scenario and your brain and body reenact part of that scenario in an effort to keep you safe from something that is no longer here with you, that is no longer an imminent threat. And it's very easy to get sucked into the trauma and your body's response and believe that because you're responding, there must be a problem, but actually there's not. And that's when we need to rise above, see what's going on in our mind and body and make a different choice. 
Okay, that's really great advice. Well, I'm always amazed, Ariel, how fast things go. And, and we're at the end of our interview already. Oh, it's been so much fun. Oh, it has been fun. So any final tips you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Yes. If I have one big piece of advice, it's don't believe everything your brain tells you. Thank <laughs> you yeah. have the opportunity to, to rise above and actually make an informed and intelligent choice and not just follow the random thoughts that come from your mind or the random sensations that your body may be bringing you in the moment. Some of them are very wise and some of them are very misaligned. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great advice. And how can people find out more about what you're doing? So you can find out more about Muse at choosemuse.com, C-H-O-O-S-E-M-U-S-E, like choosing the thoughts in your mind. Mm-hmm. And you can find out more about me at uh, my Instagram, Ariel's Musings, or follow Choose Muse on any of the social platforms at Choose Muse. Well, okay. It has been a delight to have you with us today, Ariel, and thanks for being part of the show. Oh, it's been my joy and pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, and what a great and productive visit this has been. It's been fun, and we wish you all the best as you're making a difference in the world and helping people be more at peace and be more effective, more successful, uh, and live in greater peace and balance. So nice going. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm glad it it is in part working. All we can do is try our best. You bet. Well, that's (laughs) that's the spirit of it. And to all of our listeners... Never forget, you too can and are making a difference every single day of your life. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.